Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. You're listening to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, hey, what's cracking? And welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio brought to you by I'mTheFatMan.com. And I am your host, Darren McDuffie. So tonight, we have another great show for you, another awesome show um, with uh, Carla. I'm not going to try to pronounce Carla's last name. I'm afraid I'm going to hack it up. She told me how to pronounce it, but I got a feeling I'm not going to pronounce it right, so I'm just going to let her um, pronounce her own name. But before I bring Carla on to talk about raw feeding for your pets, um, just remember to connect with me on Facebook. You can connect with me at the uh, the Fat Man. Uh, it's my Facebook, facebook.com slash I'm the fat man, and then you can also connect with me on Twitter at the fat underscore man, and fat is spelled P-H-A-T. Don't forget to connect with me on there. Really want this community to grow and get health information out to you so you can be healthy and fit. So tonight, again, we have a great show for you. This is something that's a little bit differently. Normally, we're talking about everything on the human end, but tonight we're going to be talking about animals. For those of you who don't know, I probably mentioned having a dog my girlfriend and I have a dog, and um, we introduced our dog to raw feeding a couple of months ago, actually through Carla. And I wanted to have Carla on to talk a little bit about um, how she got started and how you can start raw feeding your pets. So let me bring Carla on. Hi, Darren. How are you? Hey, Carla. Welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good, good. So let's get into this raw feeding for pets. I know a lot of people have no idea about raw feeding, and it wasn't actually until I discovered you through Facebook, and I was actually looking for to buy some stuff for myself and really discovered raw feeding, and we decided to um, take our dog, Bree, over to the, uh, the raw feeding route. But how did you get started with all of this? Well, it was actually by accident. Um, I have Great Danes, and one of them is all white. And white dogs tend to suffer from allergies more than, you know, other dogs. And we had had this issue with his skin and, you know, none of the foods and none of the medicines and sprays that the vet recommended worked. And finally I said, you know, I looked online, I did some research, and I said, you know, this is my last chance. I'm going to try this raw meat diet that everyone raves about. And ever since then, all his symptoms went away, and it kind of just kind of spread the word of mouth spread in the neighborhood that I was doing this because I was buying so much meat at a time to feed two great things, as you can imagine. And it mm-hmm. kind of caught on and I started in my garage and then it kind of just spread out, the word spread out and I, you know, ventured out and turned this into a business. Cool, cool. Yeah. And you have, you actually, I've watched you grow. I remember I used to come to the house to yeah. pick up stuff and now I'm exactly, coming to a yeah. warehouse. You've grown and then you've now over the country, correct? That's correct. Yes. Great, great. So here's the the one question I wanted to ask because I know we used to do this for our dog, and just to start everything off with the questions here, can dogs eat fruits and vegetables? You know, it's a very controversial topic, um, and it's it really comes down to personal belief. Should they eat fruits and vegetables? 
probably not, there's not really much benefit to it. Does it harm them in any way? No, it does not do any damage or harm unless the dog is allergic to the fruits and vegetables. But it's really kind of like a filler or a supplemental feeding. Um, It's more so, you know, like I said, personal preference. They can eat them, but do they really need it to thrive and survive? No, they don't. Mm -hmm. You mentioned allergies a couple of times here, and I know that, you know, human beings can have, you know, food allergies and food sensitivities. What's been your um, experience with dogs having um, these allergies, and what types of things are they have? You know, you had you mentioned your Great Danes. What kind of things were they allergic to? Well, you know, a lot of my customers come to me because their dogs are suffering from a skin allergy or a food allergy, and um, it's basically you kind of notice that the skin turns flaky. A lot of people see that their dogs lose hair or have pimples that kind of pop, and then the hair kind of scabs over and falls off. Other dogs um, just break out into hives. You know, there's a lot of different issues that come up as a result of food allergies. And, um, you know, it's just, it's really just the fact that dogs cannot handle and cannot really process, process and cooked foods. So that kind of, you know, erupts all over their body. And it's really a huge issue right now for a lot of pet owners that needs to be addressed. Right, right. Um, what about the dog foods. I know that we were uh, had our dog on a dry food diet at one point, and we made the switch over to raw raw feeding. And uh, what about the dry food that's out there? Like you go to the grocery store and you see, I see these people with these big bags of, you know, Alpo and things like that. But what's the is there a danger behind the the dry feed the dry feeding at all? You know, there is, you know, there's some so there's some brands out there that are pretty good. They're small family brands that really focus on the quality of the food and the ingredients, but there's a lot of really large chains and commercial diets like Alpo or Kibbles and Bits and other just very low-end brands that if you kind of turn the bag over and look at the ingredients, you'll probably notice that there's actually nothing really in that food that's going to be beneficial for your dog. Um, Dogs don't thrive on grains. They don't do well with corn. And, you know, when you see anything like cornmeal or any grains in the food or just words you can't even pronounce, then you know that there's something wrong with your dog food. So that's probably the reason why we see so many sick dogs because there's not – the pet food company and the pet food industry is not very regulated. So, you know, they can put anything in your pet food. There's a very great book that I got turned on when I started doing this. It's called Food Pets Die For. And it's a woman that went into the pet food industry undercover and kind of just realized and, and wrote about everything she discovered that they were putting into pet food. And it is appalling, the stuff that goes in there that you don't even know about. Yeah, Um about two weeks ago, I had Ray Ardette on the show, and uh, he's a big uh, caveman diet, paleo diet type person. And he had mentioned something about mm-hmm. dogs and grains and specifically mentioned that that was one of the reasons why dogs were getting so much cancer because of the, the use of the corn and the dog food. Can you speak exactly. about that? Yeah, you know, um, Whole Dogs Naturally just published an article recently um, about the mold that's been growing on the corn that goes in these dog foods. And it turns out that it's actually poisonous, that the mold that's on this corn that these companies are using in the dog food is full of cancer-causing cells, and it's just downright garbage. And it's just it's just sad that we, you know, we rely on these companies to do what's best for our pets, and yet they're giving us stuff that is actually causing them to get sick. 
Yeah, it's amazing how many dogs um, had cancer. I know um, before uh, we got this dog, we had a uh, dog before that, and uh, a dog had cancer in the nose and had to go through this big, big operation. And um, if I knew what I know now, I would have never have fed them the type of food that, you know, was was being fed to them at time. And I don't think a lot of people realize that the grains and the other things that are are put into the food now are giving the dogs cancer. Absolutely. I don't think people know, and I think they're now starting to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's talk about just uh, what... I noticed that our dog really loves the organ meats, like anything that we, uh, the tripe that we we get from you, even though it smells <laughs> bad, she loves she loves that stuff. Um, our dogs naturally gravitate more towards organ meats versus like a, a muscle meat, let's say like a chicken leg, or is there no preference at all? I think that it's really um, a case by case basis. Dogs are picky like we are. There's things that they love and there's things that they don't really like. Um, it's funny that your dog loves organ meat because a lot of dogs don't like organs, not because of the taste, but because of the texture itself. And um, But, you know, you mentioned the green tripe, which is the stomach of the cow. It's um, not bleached, so it's green tripe, and it has fermented grass in it, which we grind all up, and it's kind of a natural probiotic for the dogs, and it stinks, like you mentioned. It smells like a barn. But it's, you know, <laughs> gr- dogs tend to gravitate towards things, things that stink, which is why you might see them rolling around in some, like, dead toad on the road or they find a little bit of poop on the yard and they roll around in it, you know, that's something that they gravitate towards. And it's, it's funny because the green tripe is probably one of our most popular products and it just stinks, but it's actually really good for them. And, you know, it's great that your dog loves organ meats because that's actually a challenge for a lot of raw feeders to get their dogs to eat organ meat. But then again, my dog likes everything. (laughs) That's That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, she'll eat anything. If we were chopping up anything in the kitchen, she wants to have it, and we're just careful about you know, what we, what we give her. But um, yeah. how about um, this is one of the things I researched, um, and I know that she likes it, and every now and then we'll drop a little bit in her food, but coconut oil for dogs. Have you had any experience with that? Oh, yeah. That's actually one of the supplements that I personally use on a day daily basis with my dogs. Um, It has to be unrefined and organic, but I tell all my customers, you know, if you're looking for a good supplement to put in your dog's food every day, a teaspoon of coconut coconut oil every day does wonders. Um, It's, you know, it helps with yeast. It's an antibacterial. It's just a really great all-around supplement that you can add to the food that really helps with a lot of different issues that your dog may have. Now, it is, you know, a very fatty oil, so any dog that has pancreatitis or issues with fatty food should probably stay away from it, but any other healthy dog would probably benefit from having that included in their diet. How much is too much with with the coconut oil? Well, the thing with coconut oil is that it can also, you know, loosen stools. So I would say that maybe half a teaspoon per 10 to 20 pounds would work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know we don't give our dog that much. Um, we about that much, about half a teaspoon. We don't try to saturate yeah. her with the whole, the whole uh, coconut oil thing. Um, let's talk a little bit about supplements. You mentioned that coconut oil was a supplement that you use, but what other supplements are beneficial for dogs? Uh, again, it's a case by case basis, but you know, depending on the dog, apple cider vinegar is really great to include in their water. 
And that's just an overall, um, you know, supplement you can use that just kind of helps with everything across the board. It doesn't do any harm, even if your dog is perfectly healthy. It's really great to add a little bit of apple cider vinegar in the water. Um, some people, you know, they choose to add probiotics, which I think is a great, great solution because a lot of the dog's health um, revolves around their gut. So, you know, doing probiotics one month on, one month off is a great option as well. We have fish oils. As long as you know where your fish oil is being sourced from and you check the label and make sure there's no added ingredients, that's a great supplement as well. Um, and I think that's about it. You know, you don't want to do too much because a raw diet really encompasses and captures everything that they need as long as it's, you know, full of variety and you kind of include a lot of different uh, proteins. But those, I think, apple cider vinegar, fish oil, and coconut oil are like the three go-tos. And what does apple cider vinegar do for for the dog? Um, it, it's you know it's full of nutrients. It's a natural uh, antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral, and it also um, helps again with any yeast overgrowth or candida. And it's just you know it's just to maintain and keep healthy. I, I've heard that even for us drinking like a a, a glass of water with a little bit of coconut uh, apple cider vinegar in it is very beneficial and just kind of keeps your whole gut working and nice and healthy. Yeah. So dogs can kind of have the same kind of issues that, that we have, because I know I had a bout with candida here a couple of weeks ago, and um, you're mentioning that with dogs as well. Can they get a, a lot of the digestive issues that we have in one of the things I wonder, too, this is a double question. One of the things that I wonder, too, is as far as eating raw meat and parasites. Are dogs more equipped for dealing with parasites um, from the raw meat? Um, you know, it, it's very, it's another controversial topic. If, if you're going to be feeding something that you've caught in the wild, if you're a hunter and you catch, you know, you kill a deer and you have venison meat, or if you go mm -hmm. fishing and you have a fresh fish that you catch, then yes, you have to be wary of parasites because that animal's in the wild. And it's suggested that you freeze the, the meat up to like four to six weeks just to kill any parasites that it may have. But if you're feeding store-bought meat that's for human consumption and that's the only kind of meat that we sell, then you know that the meat is free of parasites because we're not going to be eating meats that are full of parasites. It's just really you need to know where your meat is coming from and where it's sourced from. Right, right. What are some of the benefits that you've seen from just raw feeding, raw feeding your animals? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, you know, to start, they do get uh, mental stimulation from chewing and working on their food, which, you know, you get, you'll see like a 12-year-old dog with white teeth free of tartar and without dental disease. Um, they have, you know, they're not susceptible to allergies. They have shiny, smooth, oil-free coats. They have a lot more energy and vitality. They really thrive on this diet. Um, they don't have bad breath. Uh, they have, they don't go to the vet as much. You won't have as many issues. And, you know, one of the favorite benefits of raw feeding for most dog owners is that since the body uses all of the protein that you're feeding the dog, there's very little waste. So the very little waste that does come out doesn't really smell and it disintegrates within like two days. Yeah, you took my question. I was going to ask you about that because that one, that's one of the <laughs> things that I that's one of the things that I noticed immediately because it was the time when we switched her over to the raw food that I was walking her and normally she, it was like clockwork. I would take her out in the morning, she would use the bathroom, and then you know we pick it up and and bring it back to the house and throw it away in the the plastic bags. But um, 
I just noticed that there are a couple of times after going on a raw food diet from switching to from a conventional diet where she would never use a bathroom. And I'm like, my girlfriend's name is Robin. I'm like, Robin, is something wrong with Brie? <laughs> but uh, we went on and did some research and found out once you go to the raw food diet that the dog doesn't use the bathroom as much. And now, I mean, that's a good benefit because now I don't have to pick it up as as often as I used to have exactly, to. Exactly. You know, on the kibble that they, there's so much in that kibble that they don't use that they have, their body has a lot of waste. And on a raw diet, you know, they're built to digest and break down and use protein. So there's, there's very little that comes out, which is an added bonus. Yeah, yeah. What about cats? Now, are cats any different from dogs, or is it kind of like the same? Because I had some people on the Facebook um, event asking about cats, but um, are they different from dogs, or do they still do the raw feeding diet as well? You know, I'm I'm not the most savvy person on cats, but I do know this. Um, every vet that I've spoken to and all the research that I've done on my end shows that cats are the truest carnivores out there. I don't think that there is any vet out there that would disagree with that fact, actually. And, you know, cats actually are hunters, and they like to hunt, and they thrive on a raw diet. If you have a cat and you can get them to switch to raw, I think that is the best thing that you can do for them. Yeah, I've seen some cats in, like, just hanging around here in uh, Florida, and people throw fish out and stuff like that, and they are killing oh, yeah. fish. <laughs> yep. I would think that they're carnivores um, as well. Christine in the Facebook event um, asked that question about her having a picky cat, and um, she wanted to switch the cat over to a raw food diet, but she was concerned. And I think this is also a concern with dog owners as well, that if, if the cat is going to get enough vitamins. Well, that's what I was saying. Cats are a little bit different than dogs because they have different bodily functions. For example, a cat requires taurine to survive, but their bodies don't produce it naturally, whereas a dog does. So when you are switching to a raw diet with a cat, you need to make sure that you're feeding them the right and proper way. So, for example, to make sure that they're getting enough taurine in their diet, you would need to include heart and add a little bit of extra chicken hearts or, you know, any other kind of heart into the diet to make sure that they get that taurine. And, you know, if anyone does want to switch their cat and they're a little bit nervous and want to make sure that they're going to do it the right way, there's a really amazing website out there called feline-nutrition.org, and she is amazing. She really breaks it down for you and kind of tells you everything you need to know before you jump into the diet. Right. Now, what about dogs on the dog end? Because uh, I know that was a concern of ours when we switched the dog over to raw food. We're like, well, is she going to get enough nutrients? Is she going to get enough vitamins? And I also think that that's why people think that, you know, let's mix in some vegetables because they, they start thinking like a dog yeah. is human. <laughs> so, I mean, is the dog getting enough nutrition from raw meat alone? If you're doing it the right way, then absolutely. Now, if you think that a raw diet consists of throwing some raw chicken and ground beef, then no, absolutely not. The key to a raw diet is first doing your research and knowing what you're doing. And then the second step would be to include, you need to offer variety. So you need to at least include three to four proteins at least in their diet because just like you and I would not survive on just eating chicken and broccoli, they cannot survive on just eating one or two proteins. And then the other most important thing is to always include organ meat in their diet. And a lot of people get confused thinking that heart and gizzards and, you know, other different parts of the body of the animal are organs when, in fact, the only organs that are truly considered organs for the raw diet are anything that secretes, which would be liver, kidney.
kidneys, thymus, adrenal, those would be organ meats, and those are an essential part of the diet. What is the what is the monster mash made out? Our dog loves that stuff. I don't know what it is, but made out of, but she <laughs> loves that stuff. I came up with the monster mash when I had all these customers telling me how picky their dogs were and that they wouldn't eat their organ meat, and you know they were freaking out because they knew how essential the organ meat was. So what I did is I ground up three items that are considered muscle meats. I did green tripe, trachea, which is the windpipe of of you know the cow. And I mm-hmm. did the esophagus, which is the cartilage around that. And I ground all that up because, you know, dogs love that. It's it's mushy, it's soft, it tastes like beef. And then I mixed in some ground organs in, and then I mixed it all up, and that's actually our monster mash. And it makes most the most picky eaters eat their organs. Uh, she loves that stuff. She's eating it now. Well, not now, but it's she ate up. it earlier. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sells really well. Yeah, we just... Um, we um, just started her on uh, one of the big containers of that that monster mash, but she loves it. I think that's her favorite out of everything that we that we buy from you for for her. Oh, that's um, awesome. What about preparing? Is there a way that you? Because I know when we did this, we just decided not to buy. We used to buy blue buffalo was the food that we bought for her, but when we decided to do it, mm-hmm. we just just said no more blue buffalo, and then we just went in to doing the raw feeding, is there a way to kind of gradually ease your dog into raw feeding, or would you recommend doing what we did? We just said no more dry food, and we started feeding her the raw food. I recommend doing what you did. I tell most of my customers who I help transition over, we're going to do this cold turkey, fast the dog the day before you're going to switch, and start them on an empty stomach, and we're just going to introduce the raw diet and take it from there. Um, You know, Kibble digests at a completely different rate and require different enzymes to break it down, and it kind of sits in the dog's stomach. It turns into sludge, and it sits there for five to six hours while it digests, while raw takes, you know, completely different enzymes to break it down, and within two hours, it's digested. So it's never good to kind of mix the two. I don't ever suggest for anyone to mix the two, but if you're going to make the transition, definitely go cold turkey so that the dog can start building the proper enzymes and really start using the food without having anything interfere with it. Yeah. Um, what about um, the the budget? You know, being on being on a budget. Someone who switches from going from doing the kibbles or the dry food into the raw feeding is that better on the budget? I think that it is for us. But <laughs> I wanted you to kind of talk <laughs> about that, and maybe you had some experiences with people or owners coming saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm saving a lot more money by doing the the raw feeding." Yes and no. Um, You know, obviously, if you have a small dog, it's a lot more affordable to do raw. And in the long term, it is more affordable to do raw because you're going to be going to the vet less and you're going to have less health issues that you're going to be paying for. But if you are like me and you have four dogs and two of them are great games and you're going through about seven pounds of food a day, it's probably going to cost more than kibble. But like I said, in the long run, I probably go to the vet once a year just for yearly checkups, and I don't have any other issues that I have to pay out of pocket for. So in the long run, for me, it's worth it. Yeah, we've noticed that, too. We The the dog we had before, it was always a vet visit, and we rarely ever go to the vet. And then another thing that I noticed about her is that when we adopted her from the Humane Society, we she had, like, this spot on her eye, and my girlfriend was really, really concerned about it. And then once we started the, the raw feeding, the spot on her, it's like a, a, a film or something over her eye, it, it went away. And um, she was also 
we noticed that when we had her on kibble, she would be, she wasn't as energetic. Um, she used to yeah. jump up on the couch, and then when we started the raw feeding and all this other stuff, she's like now she just jumps up on the couch again, and she's energetic, and she's about nine now, so um, she's in really good shape for her for her age. So oh yeah, it definitely try. helps with all those things. Yeah, and I think you mentioned this, but this is something I wanted to throw back out there. You don't ever want to. Do you feed a dog cooked food at any time, or is it never admissible to do that? Like. Well, if you're going to do cooked food, you know, cooked food is still better than kibble. If you're going to cook some ground beef and, you know, mix it up with different things and just do boneless things, then that's perfectly fine. And it's always better than kibble, in my opinion. Um, You can even lightly sear the food and leave it a little bit raw in the middle so that you're not processing it completely. But never, ever, ever give cooked bones. That is what causes a lot of dogs to die. And people, this is the big misconception that people don't know is that, Raw bones are safe for dogs because they don't splinter, and a dog's acidity in their stomach can break them down. Once you cook that bone, you change the whole molecular level of that bone, and it can splinter, and it can perforate their guts, and that's when you have an issue. And that's why you never feed cooked bones. All right, so you never do cooked bones. Never. What about, Not even what about, bones. What about things like eggs? Can, is it, 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 uh, can dogs eat eggs? Absolutely. Um, I include a raw egg in my dog's meals probably three to four times a week. An egg is probably like the most perfectly balanced meal or, you know, little <laughs> little round thing of perfection that you can give a dog if you give them the shell too. And it's actually really beneficial for them to have that. The only thing I have to say about eggs is that if you don't buy pasture-raised or organic or unwashed eggs, then don't include the shell because they do spray the sh- commercial eggs are sprayed to last longer on the shelf, and you don't want those chemicals being given to your dog. Yeah, you don't want to eat those as a human being either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I um I did some research. I was snooping around on the Internet, and I found one of your, um and I'm big on this, the whole vaccination things for human beings. There's been a lot of uh, discussion on that, but I was able oh, yeah. to find a video that you did on the vaccinations for dogs, and um you kind of changed your mind about that whole thing after your experience with your, um, was that a Datsun that you have? Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. You know, I, I do, I, I also help with some local dog rescues, and the first thing that it's implanted in your head is vaccinate your dog yearly, every time. Do it. It's going to protect them. And, you know, I listened to my vets for the first four years of my dog's life, and I vaccinated her every year without knowing that, you know, the first vaccine that they get as puppies basically gives them immunization for the first seven years of their life. So I kept poisoning her, and now the end result is my dog has liver failure, and she suffers from a lot of different symptoms, and now we're trying to treat her to kind of reverse all the damage that these vaccines have done. And uh, her name was Bella, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, I watched the video. Um so you would recommend not doing the yearly shots? I will not. I say that you should vaccinate your dog once and then go see a holistic or natural vet that can give you a letter of exemption. And, you know, you can do a titter test, which is a test that kind of um, draws blood and, and checks to see if they still have that immunity within them. And then you know that your dog is safe and is not going to get anything. And you don't have to keep overdosing them with these these diseases and these viruses that they don't really need. You said that was what, a titter test? 
Yes, T-I-T-E-R. And even though the state of Florida does not acknowledge or accept them, a lot of different other states around the, around the country do. I've never heard of that. But that's the same thing that you have to go through as a human being. You have to have some type of exemption in order to not have vaccinations. And I'm, like, wondering why you have to have an exemption so you don't don't poison yourself. It's crazy. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, what about treats for your pet? I know um, we usually order the chicken feet. Our dog likes that. But what are some of the the better treats to, to feed your dog? I always tell people, you know, I, you don't have to buy my treats. You can go buy any treat. Just make sure you know where it comes from and try not to get anything processed. Try to get dehydrated stuff. Um, try to stay as, as natural as you can. You know, you don't want to give milk, those milk biscuits that you can get or the milk bone biscuits, you know, nothing that's processed and full of grains and full of flour and corn and, you know, the stuff that dogs don't need. Just try to stay as as natural as possible. You know, you can even make your own treats at home, slice a little bit of chicken breast, cook it in the oven at 200 degrees for 45 minutes, and you got a little bit of chicken jerky. And it's that simple. Yeah, we, we just got a dehydrator, so we think we're going to start doing that amongst, you know, doing stuff for ourselves here. Um, what about feeding your dog? Because this is something that um, I came across where, you have people that own any type of pet, a cat or a dog, and they leave the feed, the food out all day. What is the, I mean, I know that that's wrong, but how many times should you feed your dog um, per day? Um, you know, another controversial subject, and this one's more so a matter of opinion, I think a lot of people feel like dogs are their kids and they feel sorry for them if they only feed them once a day. But a lot of research has shown that dogs do better on one meal a day because it allows their gut to reset and kind of rest and recharge and then start all over. Whereas feeding them two, three times a day kind of just keeps them, you know, working and keeps the gut going and it doesn't really let the gut rest and restart. But again, it's it's really a personal opinion, a personal preference um, subject. And it's really, you know, whether you feed twice or once a day, it's not going to do any damage to the dog. Yeah, we usually do. We do twice, but no more than that. Um, and I know I asked you this at one point um, about, but I just wanted to kind of get it out there for the audience as well. Um, this natural remedies for fleas, because I know the, sometimes people use flea collars. They're using all of these sprays. What might be a natural deterrent for, for fleas? Um, you know, there's a lot of different options out there, and you have to be careful with what you'd use. Anything, you know, obviously anything that's going to kill another living being cannot be advantageous to put into your dog's body or on your dog's skin. Um, you can you can look into a product called Cedar Side, which uses cedar oil to repel bugs, and you just spray them. Um, you can do some essential oil sprays, you know, lavender and peppermint and, a lot, and tea tree and a lot of other citronella, all those use um, just the smell of those scents kind of deters and, and doesn't harm the dog. Um, you can also use diatomaceous earth, the food grade kind, which is kind of like a parasite killer, and it's you kind of just feed it to them, and that kind of kills all the bugs too, but you have to make sure it's food grade because if not, you could definitely do some damage there. Yeah. And you mentioned we talked about food allergies earlier. What would be a, uh, a protocol to, you know, start getting rid of food allergies in in your dog? And is there do you know if there's a test out there that you can test for these allergies in in dogs? 
There's definitely a lot of different tests out there. Um, obviously, the first one that comes to mind probably is the one that the vet's going to tell you to do in-house at the vet office. That's going to cost you around three to $400, which I think is a little insane and absurd. Um, there's other different tests that you can do. Like, for example, I have one that we sell to our customers that's $80, and it tests all the different foods and grasses and flowers and you know, household items and things that you would never even imagine your dog could have a sensitivity to. And it just basically tests um, the saliva and the hair of your dog, and it, it comes back with a huge panel. And, you know, a lot of dogs are just allergic to, to even a flea bite, which can cause a, a whole severe skin reaction. So it's really great to know what your dog is sensitive to because then you know what to avoid and what to kind of stay away from so that you don't trigger these events. Yeah, I was going to ask you if it's, it's saliva. I know um, you said the saliva and hair that they can do that that testing through. Yeah, the test that we do is um, you provide a hair sample and a saliva sample, and they use that to kind of you know figure out what your dog is having issues with. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Our dog does a, a ton of scratching. We're just trying to figure out why she does all that scratching all the time. So. The one that you have now is scratching a lot. Yeah, she scratches a lot at night, and she she bites on herself continuously. So I'm just trying to figure out. I thought it might be fleas or something to that nature, but I'm not sure. It could be, and it also could be, you know, if you're not including fish and a little bit of fatty meats in their diet, they might just Mm -hmm. have dry skin, and they just need a little bit of a boost, you know, including a little bit of sardines in their diet or adding the fish oil or the coconut oil. That really helps with the itching as well. No, oh, okay. Well, we'll try to. I, we I just started putting coconut oil back into her food, and um, the uh, the other thing is that we just started her with eating some salmon, so that might be something. I haven't noticed yet if she stopped scratching a lot, but well, okay. I'll, I'll pay more attention to it. Pay more attention to it now. Um, you also do stuff for dogs, but people can all, you also sell stuff for human consumption as well, correct? Oh, she dropped off the air. I hope she realizes and she'll call back in. Bear with me one second here. Live radio. You got to dig it. So we'll, we'll wait for her to call back in here real quick. Yeah, you dropped off, huh? Yes, I lost you. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I forgot what I was going to ask you. I was in just in the middle of um, a question. Oh, the, the stuff for human consumption as well. So you do sell stuff for human consumption. Yes, we actually um, we offer a, um, a grass-fed line called White Oak Pastures that some people might be familiar. They also um, are seen in Whole Foods now, and all that comes straight from the farm to us. We stick it in the freezer, and then it just goes to you guys, and that's, you know, one of our healthier uh, lines, and we try to, you know, support and really offer people and educate people about sustainable farming so that you eat better as well. Yeah, um, and you do eggs and stuff like that because I'm always getting my eggs from you. Um, trying to remember what else you do as well that people might out there might be interested in. And all of this stuff, do you ship? You can ship the White Oaks Pasture stuff as well if they're interested in purchasing grass-fed stuff. 
Absolutely. We ship the white oaks all over, and, you know, uh-huh. we don't ship the eggs just because they're fragile, but yet the other item you were probably thinking of is all the raw dairy, and that we ship as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's up with the beef short ribs? They have beef <laughs> 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 short ribs. I, I got to get you those, those beef short ribs. Yeah, I love those things. We put them in a crock pot and we put barbecue sauce in and let them simmer and they just melt in your mouth. And the last oh two times I ordered, I've ordered them from you, they have not have them. Have them so. The thing, you know, the the downside about supporting these smaller farms is that they don't mass produce like other, you know, factory farm meats do. So it, it's it's kind of like a cyclical thing where you have to wait for the animal to get large enough to be slaughtered to be able to get all those cuts of meat again. And we kind of we're kind of in a off season where they're preparing for the holidays and right now they're low on beef, they're low on lamb, and we're just kind of waiting for all these cuts to be replenished so that we can get you your short ribs. Yeah, I hope so. I love those things. Um, what about you? Do tur- <laughs> I, I know like uh, Thanksgiving is coming up. You do turkeys as well, so they could order turkeys as well if they wanted to. Absolutely. We're going to be offering white oak pastures, you know, pasture-raised turkeys, and, you know, their stuff is very good. Yeah, yeah. All right, Carla, is there anything else you would like to add to the show? I I think you have been one of my um, better shows, like more blunt. Like most of my guests are like, they take so a lot of time to answer the questions. You are somewhat like me. You just answer the question and you 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 move on. But is there anything you'd like to add to the show? You know, I just you know, I just want people to know that you you should do your research before you make a decision to do raw feeding. Um, it is a commitment, but it is a really healthy and and good commitment you can do for your pet. And don't be scared. I know it's overwhelming and, can, and it can sound scary and kind of weird, but once you get into it and you see the benefits and you really see that it's not that big of a deal, it's really it's really like so satisfying to see your dog or your cat so happy about mealtime and thriving and doing so well without having to go to the vet every two months. Yeah, I agree because our dog is like a new dog. Cause like she has so yeah. much energy now and other than when she just Especially wants to lay around an older and sleep. Dog. Yeah, 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 she has a lot of energy, and she's jumping back on the couch, and we were really worried at one point because she wouldn't jump on the couch. She would just get on the edge of the couch and wait for us to pick her up. Aww. And then now she's jumping back on the couch, so we know that you know something is working. At least we're you know we're feeding her right. And uh, exactly. give us your give us your website. She didn't mention your website. What's your website? The website is rawfeedingmiami.com. Okay, and they can reach out to you there, and they can do an order online. Correct. Absolutely. We also have Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're always posting a lot of you know informational pictures and. And just showing everyone how other raw feeders feed their dogs and the benefits of it. So anytime people have questions or need help, you know, we're, the the raw feeding community is very welcoming, and we're all here to help. Yeah. What's your Instagram handle? Because I don't think I'm connected with you on Instagram. It's raw feeding Miami. Raw feeding. Okay. I'll look you up and connect with you on Instagram. Hey, Carla, thank you for being on the show. And what I'll do is I will take your websites and put them in the Facebook event so people can connect with you. I know there were some people in there who had pets, but I'm also going to tell them that they can uh, reach out to you and order the stuff, the grass-fed stuff as well, because a lot of times I'll get questions from people, where do you get grass-fed this, where do you get grass-fed that? So now (laughs) you know, share your link and let them know that they can get it. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, and I will see you, I guess, Saturday to pick up my stuff. Yeah, when you pick up your food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks thank for being you, on the show. I really appreciate it. 
I do too. Thank you so much. All right. Enjoy your night. You too. All right. Bye bye. All right. Good show there. And you learned a lot about your pets and how to feed your pets. And like I said, I'll I'll drop everything in the Facebook event. And next week we'll have a, another great show. I know that many of you who were um, glued to Facebook or glued to the news uh, about two weeks ago noticed that Robin Williams died, the comedian died. And I'll have Julia Ross on the show, and she'll be talking about her book, um, The Mood Cure, and um, how to defeat depression through using things like amino acids. And we'll talk about the thyroid, how all of those things are connected to the way that you feel, and serotonin and everything. So um, I'm really excited about bringing Julia on the show because she has a lot of knowledge. She's been working in the clinic for a long, long time and working with people firsthand to pick up people's mood or get them in a better mood. And she'll have a lot of tips that you can do. You can just go in the, your local supplement store and buy these amino acids. And I have a ton of questions that I'm going to ask her because I know sometimes it's very hard for me myself to relax. And uh, I have some questions for her regarding that and some questions for just uh, people in general who might be suffering from uh, mood swings and, and things of that nature. So looking forward to that show. And, again, that will be the mood, the mood Cure with the Julia Ross. Hope you uh, will listen to that show. And, as always, it will be on the same fat time, same fat channel. Thank you for listening to the show. Peace and love. And I will check you next week. <laughs> 